when I was a kid, I wanted to be a dentist when I grew up. And now I'm a comedian, I think. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Ariana Baseri. Ariana is a dry cleaning heiress slash comedian from Pasadena. Her family owns steamer cleaners in Sherman Oaks. A couple new things about her. She's on Prozac and she would rather not do stand-up. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Ariana. Thank you. That was so professional. Thank wow. you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you because I've enjoyed your comedy for a while and it's it's such a treat to be able to talk to you now. So before we get into why you quit stand-up, I'd like to know what drew you to it and what would ultimately inspired you to pursue it. Because as somebody who only tried a few open mics, that was enough to scare me away. But you clearly, you clearly something drew you to it to the point where you were performing at the Laugh Factory and all these great venues. Yes. I, I guess June would mark seven years. So I'm just saying I did stand up for seven years. I started with a class. I was in an acting class. A girl in my class was doing stand up. I was funnier than her. So I was like, what's this class? And then I just started doing stand up. But it was never because I was like, oh, I'm so passionate about stand up. But I was passionate about attention and being funny. So pretty much when the pandemic happened and I wasn't doing shows, I was like, not hating it. <laughs> I think that's really what happened. And I was doing these Zoom shows and I was getting paid more than I was doing stand-up shows before the pandemic. And I was like, I guess this is just my time to hone in on what I actually want to do, which is more writing, which is what stand-up kind of started as. And now I'm interested in making money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to so sell some shows. Interesting. So was there, I'm curious, was there a turning point or a series of turning points for you that led to that epiphany? Was it something that had been brewing for a while? How did that pan out for you? Well, I had always, I was doing stand-up and I was doing these great shows and I was hosting these huge famous people shows, but I was never like, oh my God, I'm so passionate about my special. Like I never wanted a Netflix special. I never wanted to just crank out new material all the time. It just kind of kept snowballing. And I think I'm just so charming that people wanted me on their shows. <laughs> and so I was constantly doing shows, but I wasn't really seeking it out. And I have friends who are very committed to stand up and I respect that and I see it. But I think for me, it just became very not fun and toxic and kind of like dragging myself to do it versus these people who were dying without stand up. And it really, I think that was my turning point where I was like, oh, I'd rather not do it. Yeah. So you noticed among other standups, is it that they were more drawn to the performative aspect and you were more drawn to the the generating of the jokes and the idea part of it? Or did you did you also like the performative part, but you are just more passionate about the writing? Yeah, I think at that point, I really loved performing and the rush and the attention and talking and being out all the time. I think I became much more introverted and introspective even in the pandemic and I was really thinking about what serves me what friendships what relationships and my relationship with stand-up really just wasn't serving me 
Like I enjoyed it in a social way. I had all the friends. I'd get up all the time and I was drinking so much. I think it's part of that whole social life, high school, being at the comedy store and seeing this guy you dated and that guy and all the head, like it's very petty high school drama. And I think I just turned 31 in the pandemic and was like, I don't want this. Right. Even with the Chris D'Elia stuff, I used to see him everywhere. And I was like, it was very exciting to see these guys kind of get called out for these things that we always knew were happening. Not, I didn't know like firsthand, but I knew that he was a creep and it was nice to just see everything tumble. And Joe Rogan got a lot of people to move to Austin. So I was like, what is stand up in LA anyway anymore? Sure. Sure. Yeah. That was, that was something I was going to ask you, but I was curious about is how much of, how much of your decision to lean into the writing side of it and, and lean away from the stand-up how much of that did you think was related to the challenges that come from being a woman in the industry it seems like from what you're saying now and obviously from things that are out there there are just inherent challenges that don't exist for men especially in stand-up in a way that can be debilitating because it's not just like like for example if i were an accountant um, a female accountant i'm sure there are there are natural challenges in a corporate work environment that will prevent me from doing my job in a certain way. I think there is a unique set of obstacles when you are having to fraternize with these people in a green room right before you perform in front of a crowd. And even in front of a crowd, you have your own unique challenges. Like when I when I see creative people on you know a YouTube clip, if it's a woman and people are hating on her, they're, they're mentioning her sexuality. Whereas mm-hmm. when they hate on a guy stand-up, for example, they just might be like, you're not funny. You suck. Um, They're attacking the professionalism of the man versus, you know, the sexuality of the woman. So how much of that was something that was brewing? um, And maybe it wasn't a tipping point, but it sounds like it was a factor. Is that right? I would say my actual tipping point that is related to the Internet and where we are right now is when my dad went viral on TikTok. (laughs) I made my dad go viral and just the energy and the attention and the comments and all that stuff where I was like, thank God, this isn't a stand-up clip. If they are tearing apart my dad touching hot bread to the point of being like, fuck you rich girl, like every single thing that you could somehow criticize about my dad touching hot bread where I was like, oh, I don't actually want this scrutiny for no money. I think it was the, there was no return on this investment. I was putting myself out there so fully, so much all the time and it was just like getting dragged by these internet teens with for my dad's tiktok where i was like oh i don't want to be the face anymore i think i'd rather actually make money or sell actual shows with my writing and Alyssa is so funny so smart actually makes money is actually a writer and how stand-up people don't know who she is probably or don't see her as a comedian when she's actually a professional comedian. Yeah. The, you're talking about our friend, Alyssa Karasik, for those listening yeah. who I just worked with in a writer's room and who is exceptionally funny. And you're she, right. So people probably, you know, I, as far as I know, she hasn't done stand up formally. I don't see her on lineups, but she's a force in a writer's room and makes some really funny jokes. She's so funny. She's so intelligent. I think that I just heard it. I think it's also has a lot to do with I'm engaged now, but I'd only been dating my fiance at the point for five months before pandemic. And I got to see him 
still fully make money and do these jobs and have these meetings because he's so good at pitching concepts and shows and writing. And as a comedian, I was like, oh, what now? I don't, I yeah. fine, I'll do a Zoom show, but what's the actual, my dad was always saying that. He's like, how are you going to actually make money? Even if I did something that made money, it was so, like I was in a short film. I think I got like $500 and that was the most I made from anything artistic versus right. actually Alyssa in these writers' rooms or selling shows and being flown places to be a writer and right. because of her brain. I think that was the point where I was like, I want to actually be valued for my work. And so much of stand up is this whole persona and character and like hot girl titties out. And it just like stopped being me so much. Yeah. And, and I stopped being so self deprecating. Mm, that's really interesting. I think that's yeah. part of it too. It's like I got nicer more loving more understanding maybe more empathetic where nothing felt like fair game really because i started to understand why we're all going through hell i think the pandemic just made me more empathetic yeah and that's fascinating fun to make fun of things that are like oh actually let's be gentle with ourselves yeah yeah definitely it's it's so interesting I, in my own personal life i remember i i had a for basically most of my adult life i was very self-deprecating and then it just got to a point where I think a friend pointed out to me like, hey, I, I, I know you don't mean that about yourself, but it, I'm like starting to get concerned. And I was just like, OK, cool. Let me try not doing this for a while and see what happens. Yeah. And it's it's actually a huge mental shift to not be self-deprecating if that's what you're used to. And it's really interesting to hear that if you're a comedian who's gotten by on that shtick, as we'll say, how much things change when you when you experiment away from it. And you, you still feel, I imagine, that you are able to write great jokes. They're just not at the risk of your mental health. I Yeah, I think that it's more grounded in reality or now. Yeah, I had the same thing where someone called me out where I was joking about how much hotter my sister was. And it was this woman who was like, I don't know what your sister looks like, but you are very beautiful and this doesn't work. A lot of the jokes just weren't working. Yeah. And also, I'm not who I was before the right. pandemic so my style of stand-up and even like rob who's currently my fiance would come to my shows and i talk about like guys eating my ass and like the guy who cried inside of me and i was like this isn't really me anymore and i can yeah. always use those stories for any character i have such a wealth of experiences that i don't need to be making people uncomfortable anymore i think it was different when i was just like a free agent like i wasn't yeah. really representing anyone i kind of went crazy and then i was like <laughs> Oh, how do I actually see myself as a like a grown-up adult woman who respects herself? And I'm there are women who do stand up who respect themselves, of course. It just wasn't working for me anymore. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You you changed, right? So as an artist, you changed. And so the things that you are passionate about, the things that excite you change too. That makes a lot of sense. I yeah. wanna I wanna go back to something you mentioned though, because it's something I've heard my own dad say. When you said yeah. your dad was like, How are you actually going to make money? Yes. We're, we're both Iranian. We both have Iranian dads. So mm -hmm. my Iranian dad, for example, always likes to tell me, Ben, why are you pursuing TV writing? If you're passionate about writing and you're a persuasive person, why don't you go be a lawyer? Like those are, oh, those yeah. are mutually, you know, related skill sets that you can transition over to something that's stable, that makes a lot of money. How did you, how did you um, process that part of it? Because I think over time, I've actually, I've actually internalized some of what he's saying and I see that he has merit. 
I don't know if I want to be a lawyer, but I see what he's saying and I know where he's coming from. Yeah, I think what we have to do, just us working together right now, we have to figure out the way to not be a lawyer, but still make the money. Yeah. So I, my dad has absolutely told me I should be a lawyer because <laughs> it's the same thing, which it's not. And he was like, I'll pay for school. I'll do anything. I think the pandemic, like having a family business and having an actual store and this support system and just being able to pay for myself in the last year really made me value money. I think there's so much shaming, like artists shouldn't make money or you shouldn't focus on it. But yeah. I think it's very valid to, I started reading like you're a badass at making money. And I was like, yes, yeah. this should not be a dirty thing. I want to actually make money. My fiance makes money in the industry. Like he, he works with influencers. He writes with people. He's done all the things he did stand up too. It's like we yeah. both reached the point that we wanted to and stand up and then we were done. He had the number one comedy album in America on iTunes for like two days years ago and was like, okay, cool. Now what? Yeah. It's it's kind of like with stand-up, you constantly have to be proving yourself and hustling and going. And the same with writing and stuff, but at least you can be cranking out projects and working on different opportunities or be in a writer's room. Like I did my first writer's room right before Corona. And that was fun because there's other intelligent, funny people, but we actually got paid for the day. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds I like- I can be funnier like that. I feel like naturally we're just funny people Versus like a set with my jokes and whatever, some improv, I can be funny. But this was at least outside of just Ariana, the character and my capabilities for funny situations that could be seen. Yeah, that's that's the experience I've had in writer's rooms, too, where one funny person is exceptional. But when you get a room full of really smart, talented, great writers who are funny, of course, the jokes are going to be better. Right. Because yeah. um, you just have more minds working on it. And it, what you're saying makes me think of kind of the difference between individual sports and team sports. So when yes, you're in stand up, yeah. Yes. yeah, when you're in stand up, it's almost like you're a tennis player or a boxer. And it's it's really all on you, like punches coming, thrown your way and you got to be ready for it. You got to be ready to throw punches. Whereas in a team sport, like you watch the Lakers, for example, LeBron could be very active, but he doesn't need to score on every single play. On a certain play, he could make the assist that leads to the score. He could get the steal that passes it down court that leads to the score. That's what it feels like in a writer's room compared to stand-up, which is way more solitary. Has that been your experience too? Yeah, I think I, in my 20s, it was like, strong independent woman got to do this all on your own in any acting class it was like you got to write your own script and i i do see value in that and i have written my own things but then i realized okay i've proved myself alone i've proved myself on stage alone myself as a character written all these things and now i'm actually more interested in collaborating and putting my head together with someone else and taking advantage of connections and oh like I wrote so many steamer pilots and then Julia Meltzer, who is mutual with Alyssa Brassic was like, Hey, I'd love to work on something with you. And in the olden days, you know, five years ago, I'd be like, no, this is my story. This is my family. This is whatever. Right. And now I'm like, let's work together. What am I so like stubborn about? Yeah. Cause no one else made the show before. Right. So let's try together. So now I'm, 
pitching that. Like I, we pitched the animated version of a steamer cleaners show. I wrote a new pilot in four days last week, just the first draft, but that was like pretty impressive for me. That's impressive for anyone. That's exceptional. Um, for yeah, I mean, for people who who don't have experience writing pilots, it it takes usually way longer than four days. So that is that is a big set it deal all up. Cool. I had never worked yeah. with someone, so we set it all up, yeah. the app, all the beats, and then she's like, "Okay, cool, do a pass on it." And if I didn't have someone kind of positively sabotaging me in that way, I wouldn't have done yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, positively sabotaging. I like that term a lot. Have I you found? Have you found going from a a craft where you were on your own? solo to now doing more collaborative work have there been any not growing pains but anything that's that you're um, becoming accustomed to or or learning to pick up that that you didn't have to deal with before uh let me think from a creative standpoint from a creative standpoint yeah i think i used to be against it and closed off and really protective of my stuff and now i'm not so i think that was the real thing was i had to just do a lot of work on myself and being like why don't I want anyone else to have the attention why do I want to be the one who's the main character who's also performing it and acting it and directing it and it's just like I wanted so much control and I think my best lesson was like taking trusting other people and taking advantage of their talent right instead of wanting to do everything myself like with stand-up you're the whole show yeah everything and it's so exhausting and i used to love that and get such a rush and now i'm like i did it i did it i understand it i did it my mom's so heartbroken but it's like if your mom is so sad about that then you probably shouldn't have been doing (laughs) stand-up fair enough fair enough they were so supportive yeah Uh, that's a blessing in and of itself i think one of one of the many exciting things about the stage you're at is you're able to take the experience you had in stand-up and use it in a cool way on the writing side. I, th- I think that's awesome, right? When, you, when you're in a room with really skilled joke tellers, it's just like a machine gun of jokes coming your way. And you're just like, wow, there's this wealth of jokes that is at our disposal. Run with it. Like, just let us, let us know what's on your mind and we'll play with it. We'll see what works. We'll see what sticks. But that's such a cool place to come from. It's such a cool value to add in a writing situation, I think. Um, so I, I, it feels I like, so. yeah. I want that. yeah, I mean, the, the, ana- the analogy I've given a lot when, it, when I've spoken with writers on the podcast is like, as great as Michael Jordan was, you don't want a team of Michael Jordans. You want everybody who does something differently. So in a writer's room, ideally, everybody is bringing a bit of their own unique skill set. So when you come in with your joke superpower, that just makes everyone else's lives a little easier because it's not all on them to bring the funny. They can ride with the stuff you're bringing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I realized with working with Julia is that she was so great. I just, I, all the Stanford girls have the best vocabulary of anyone I've ever talked to. <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. It's I just Google every single word <laughs> Alyssa ever said. So Julia also went to Stanford she was so incredible at structure and how to put my like thrown around words into these gorgeous sentences and make everything so presentable that I, it really did feel like, oh, this is, if anything, only adding so much value to my story. Yeah. And I was proud to share that with her and to take advantage of her insane structure skills that I didn't have because I was more the like all over the place 
crazy one. Right, right. I feel like that's yeah. insane. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because you've had the experience of benefiting from somebody who has the structure background. And I, I recently was working on a project with, uh, do you know Tehran Van Rasri, the comedian? Yeah. 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 I've so on I, podcast. Yes, right. Okay, so so Tehran was was uh, reading something of mine, and he was just so good at at pitching jokes here and there. And it's like the story was pretty much the same, but mm-hmm. it just I thought it read so much better thanks to how he came in with the funny and just it, it made it sound sound better in a way that I thought was really important. So it's great, like that that yin and yang and storytelling of like the structure, but also the dialogue. I think when there's that happy marriage between the two, it it just makes a story so much better. So to the extent that like, you know, if there's somebody listening to this, who's writing and they feel really confident in their structure and they have a great story and you have a friend who's funny, who comes along and is like, Hey, I'd be happy to read if you need a fresh set of eyes. That is like hitting the jackpot. I think. Yes, I agree. And that's what feels cool about, I just see this as another chapter. I don't see it as, I think my mom would be so upset if she heard me say I quit comedy. I just don't, yeah want to do it it never was super much my thing and it feels yeah. like we did it I did it you've done mics that's more than anyone else you know it's the biggest fear is public speaking and stand-up like which are the same <laughs> thing yeah and it feels like now we can go forward just adding value I just yeah. want to make money and I feel like this is where I am now I'm in my 30s I want to own a house in Los Angeles I'm not going to do a $40 show it's yeah. just not where my heart is. I think this this has been super insightful. And for anybody listening in a creative field, especially writing, I think it's this this is super helpful. And I want to emphasize the distinction you just made, which is you're not quitting comedy. You're quitting stand-up. I yeah. think that's really important. So, for example, I am also somebody who's passionate about comedy. And I don't go up on mics because that's that's not what inspires me. It's not what excites me. It's not what I feel like I'm good at. But the writing side of it, I feel very comfortable and I look forward to doing it. And if I don't do it for a week, I I say, oh, I should probably make some time to do this because it makes me feel good. So Mm -hmm. I think that's important. If there are people listening who are passionate about comedy, there's many ways to to pursue it, whether it's stand up, whether it's improv, whether it's writing. Um, I think you're you're a great testament to that. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. So on that positive note, we'll wind down with some rapid fire questions. Firstly. What's an app that you can't live without? And let's say not an app that came with your phone. So not the camera or FaceTime or any of those. Well, I would have said Instagram because I used to be so obsessed with just constantly over-storying. But that kind of changed also with my behavior now. I'm less like an open book. So Instagram was. How is this the rapid fire? (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? Other than you, of course, you could play yourself. But... If we had to hire an actor to play you, who would it be? Such a good question. Oh my God, I'm trying to be fast. They used to say Nassim Pudrad, but I, that wasn't my idea. Who would I want? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe my sister. Wouldn't that awesome. be crazy? <laughs> Sidebar, I don't know if you've seen Nassim's show, Chad. I'm still catching up on it, but it is really. I think it's really good. On what, TBS? Oh, on TBS, yeah. Really, I there. There's a huge billboard for it at the Americana. I'm a big Glendale it, gal. It uh, it feels way more FX than TBS, is what I'll say. I was very like the the billboards and the marketing I saw were very different from what I actually ended up watching. I thought like the expectations I had going in, very very different show in an exciting way. 
That's uh, interesting. So, so yeah, I, I just put it out there. And um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Ooh, fluent in Spanish. Where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? I hate traveling. I like really? Fun. Yeah, I like. I have too much anxiety. Like I don't <laughs> enjoy going places, but I'm always traveling, which I think yeah. is ironic. Like I no, honestly, maybe Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Denver's awesome. You're the first person to say that, I think. But it's an awesome, awesome city. I went. I went before COVID, like a year before, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, good, good blend of city life and nature. So for anybody who's trying to travel with friends who, you know, you have different interests, I think Denver is the perfect middle yeah. ground. And I love weed in a positive way. I'd like to yes. hope. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, we ask all our guests, what's a song that you like to jam to right now? Because we have a Spotify playlist where we throw in each guest recommendation. So if there's a song you'd like to contribute to our playlist, what would it be? Oh, my God. No, I'm so music is the, what I'm the worst at. Honestly, all I listen to is Fidelity by Regina Spector, which I've been listening to since seventh grade. Amazing. That's going on the playlist. That will be your contribution. Yeah. I just want to be a manic pixie dream girl. And that's all it is. Awesome. And lastly, where can people follow you? Keep up with the comedy that, that you'll be doing. Yeah. Inst I'd say Instagram is my love language of the app. So I'm Ariana Badassery. I don't know if that's going to change when I get married. I don't know. Work in Ariana progress. Badassery. We're all works in progress. We're all in flux. It's great. It's true. Awesome. So and for those my, curious, my only yeah. question to you is what I've gotten the audition that I auditioned for you. Yes. So for those who didn't, who didn't catch up on this, I know Ariana from before COVID when I wrote a silly little short film that she came out and auditioned for. And then I realized as she was auditioning for the role, there's this other part that she would absolutely kill. And on the spot, you did a cold read of a part that you, you know, didn't rehearse. And you just did such a great job. So yes, if we had filmed it, you would have gotten you would have gotten the melody part um, that oh, yeah, you the had read part. so well. Yeah. And we had we um, Mona Mira was also attached to do to, mm -hmm. to have a role in it. So I know you you both are friends. So that would have been that would have been fun in a post COVID world, hopefully. We can do it Prince can of Little Persia. Happen. It can still happen. It can still happen. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, like it, it, in case that was keeping that. you up, in case that was keeping you up ever, yes, you would have gotten the melody part. Thank you. Thank God. Um, awesome. And uh, for anybody curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at HTYDpod. Ariana, thank you so much. I've loved your comedy for so long. I got to see you audition and now I get to actually have a podcast with you. And hopefully we do get to make the film this has been great. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I'll TTYL. See you IRL. Yes. Maybe. Oh my God. I've not heard those acronyms in half a decade. Amazing. Love that, love that we're bringing them back. BRB. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, up. Ariana. This, <laughs> this is great. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, how do you do podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, listen on Apple podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews. And all you need to do is tap the star on the far right and you've left a five star rating. 
I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that. And I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers. And I'll see you back here next week. 